You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. If you're familiar with season three, you know that Sharon K. Edwards grew up singing in the Pentecostal church in Tennessee. But on this season three bonus episode, something you probably don't know about her yet, and that's that Sharon grew up not just wanting to sing in church, Sharon wanted to be a Christian music recording artist. We're about to hear about her hustle to make that happen in Nashville, and why in the end, that dream never came true. And this dream was definitely fostered when Sharon was a teenager, at a time in her life when she was absolutely all in for Jesus, when she was also singing in a gospel girl group with her sister Dee Dee and her second cousin Amy, David Terry's daughter. Sharon's actually pretty sure she can remember the very first time that her and Dee Dee and Amy sang together. I feel like, I felt like it was Wilson Phillips. (laughs) And I don't know if it was the first time we sang in free part harmony, but I do have this memory that's early with us being back in the Sunday school room, just hanging out for some reason. And I don't know if it was like some work day at the church or it was choir practice. We were taking a break. I don't know. But for some reason, we started singing, hold on, someday somebody's going to make you. <laughs> so I took the high harmony and Amy took the low and Dee Dee took the lead. And we were like, damn. And, and so we just started singing. And during this time in the 80s and mostly 90s, when Sharon was singing and loving Jesus, this is also when huge stars like Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith were proving that Christian recording artists could even break into the mainstream. But Sharon was mostly listening to their music on Christian radio stations. And that's honestly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like a a Christian artist. And I dated three DJs. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, I did. You dated three of them? Yes, I did. Girl, (laughs) let me tell you this. Every one of them were over 18 and I was 15. Wow. Mm-hmm. One was 27. Jeez. By DJs, Sharon means the radio jocks who had shows on Christian radio. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's ridiculous. Quite ridiculous. But there were these shows on Friday night and Saturday night. And see, I was just really into like going deep. It was my love of music. I would go deep into the liner notes. Like I didn't want to know who is this artist. I want to know who is the producer. Where was it recorded? Like, I wanted to know everything. Who else is on this label? And that's where I had exposure to uh, all of this Christian music. So the Newsboys, DC Talk. And if you were an evangelical kid in the 90s, like Sharon and myself, you probably know all these same bands too. DC Talk. Jars of Clay. Back 
That's a song called Flood by Jars of Clay. And even if you weren't an evangelical kid in the 90s, you've probably heard that song before because it became one of the biggest mainstream hits ever by a band on a Christian label. I hated Jars of Clay. I did not like them. Um, but I love Sixpence on the Richer. I don't know if you ever listened to them. I loved Sixpence. And I went to um, a record release party for Sixpence. Um, of course, they were Nashville-based. And then Dakota Motor Company. I was a big fan of them. Dakota Motor Company. Whoa. That (laughs) was like a spike deep into my brain. (laughs) Wow. As soon as you said that, it was like my brain and my heart went, I like that. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you what it sounded like. Okay, sixpence on the richer equals cranberries in sin music. Sin music would be anything mainstream, anything secular, songs made by non-Christian artists. And Dakota Motor Company equals no doubt in sin music. Yes. 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 It was that that California um, punk punk music type stuff. Hold on here. I'm just going to get set up for two seconds. I'm going to press record. Recording in progress. Okay, so back again. Don Cusick from Belmont University, a private Christian university in Nashville. He teaches his students about the history of the recording industry, and he's the author of Saved by Song, a history of gospel and Christian music. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for asking. Let me see. I got to turn this off. That's my alarm that says I should be talking to me. Pay attention. (laughs) Yes. I wanted to hear Don's take on the Christian music industry, specifically in the 80s and 90s. And we're going to talk more about the mainstream success of Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith in a minute. But to start, here's what he had to say about what Sharon's talking about, about there being Christian versions of all these popular secular artists. Uh, and a lot of the same trends. I remember there used to be, you know, the Christians, Frank Sinatra, the Christian Adele now, the Christian, what Barbara Streisand, the Christian, uh, whatever. And um, do you think Christian that was deliberate? Metal. Do you think that they deliberately presented artists in that way? Or was it just oh, yeah. a way to understand oh, yeah. these new artists? Well, a little of both. I mean, it was uh, it was kind of like a, a marketing ploy to let people know what was uh, what was in store. But you know, the music business says if it's a hit, it's good. If it sells, it's good. And what the Christian audience or the Christian radio programmers discovered was that people tuned in to this new kind of music. This new kind of music was officially called contemporary Christian music or CCM. And so you have all of that coming together from 77 to about Oh, 83, 84, as the as the Christian music industry develops into a very commercial industry. Uh, at one time, I think it employed more people in Nashville than the country music industry. 
So when I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, we were, and this is, you know, late 80s, early 90s, we were not mm-hmm. allowed to listen to secular music. So mm-hmm. it was so exciting for me as a preteen and teenager, and even kind of confusing when Amy Grant busted out into the mainstream. A refresher. Amy Grant is one of, if not the, highest-selling artist in CCM history, with two number ones on the Billboard Hot 100, Baby Baby in 1991, and before that, in 86, she also went number one with this Peter Cetera duet. Yeah, uh, Amy uh, actually went to a church that I went to. Uh, that's how I knew her, I knew her parents. And um, she uh, was part of this, you know, she was writing songs. She got into a studio to record some of her songs that got her signed to Word Records. Word Records is a Nashville-based Christian label that signed the biggest names in contemporary Christian music. Can you give me a, a brief rundown about what you know about her career? She was the first Christian artist that's as comfortable in the non-Christian world as she is in the Christian world. She was comfortable being a pop star when most of them had guilt feelings if they had a pop hit. So what was different uh, about her? If that is something that's special about her, especially since maybe you knew her family, like what was it about her that allowed her? Was it something to do with her faith or just her musical taste? She had an innocence about her. Innocence and a purity about her. Um, she was certainly attractive. I should say is attractive. She didn't have the greatest voice in the world. She didn't break any new grounds musically. But she certainly had a, an innocence about her and a sincerity. She was, she was sincere. She really believed what she was singing. Sometimes we make it harder than it is. We'll take a perfect night and fill it up with words we don't mean. Dark sides best unseen. And we wonder why we're feeling this way. Sometimes I wonder... Recently, in 2022, Amy Grant was in a serious bike accident. And I think the fact that the accident and her ongoing recovery have been making mainstream entertainment headlines for months, I think it proves just how well-known and relevant and beloved she became. And Amy Grant, 100%, paved the way for future crossover artists. You know, the biggest example is Katy Perry, who, uh, who, who left the Christian field to become a pop star. So I don't think you can count her as, as part of Christian music anymore. Um, but, I mean, that's where she started. Yes, this Katy Perry.
And in case you didn't know this about one of the world's biggest superstars, Katy Perry was a PK, a pastor's kid, a Pentecostal pastor's kid. Today, though, she says she is no longer a Christian, but still has a, quote, deep connection with God. And how about Michael W. Smith, another major Christian artist who broke through into the mainstream and, like Amy Grant, inspired future generations of Christian artists? Yeah, he he's very much, in, of course, I go back with Michael a long ways. We were on the same softball team together. And Look I remember you standing out around the shortstop area doing batting practice. And he'd just been to L.A. because, you know, his stuff was so commercial, they thought he could be a pop act. I'm looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. And I remember us talking, and he just said, you know, I just don't feel it. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Uh you know, church people have a world of their own, and they're uncomfortable when they get outside of it. And so even though Michael had the pop hit and had certainly, in terms of sales, pop numbers, uh, he was never comfortable outside the Christian world. So what was it about Michael W. Smith then that despite even his own discomfort with the mainstream world, that his song, Place in This World, would become such a massive secular hit. You know, it's hard to explain a, a, a hit act and a hit song. Uh, how do you explain an Elvis Presley coming out of Mississippi? And how do you explain the Beatles? How do you explain uh, Johnny Cash? How do you explain, you know, BTS? Any of that. It, it's just a magic that somehow connects to a listener. A lot of songs are good songs, but every now and then something comes along and go, wow, that hits me. Or sometimes an artist comes along and it's that connection that they make. And it's uh, invisible and unexplainable, really. Some are chosen and some are not. Now, today, the Christian music industry is being redefined by mainstream artists like Kanye West, although he now goes by Ye. And Ye comes from mainstream rap and hip hop. But his new music is straddling contemporary Christian and Black gospel. Everything that I bear, praise the Lord. Worship Christ with the best of your portions. I know I won't forget all he's done. He's In 2021, Ye's Jesus is King won the Grammy for Best Contemporary Christian Music Album. And... Ye also leads something called the Sunday Service, which is basically an invite-only gospel choir that performs pretty much every Sunday all over the country. But sometimes, you might even find Ye just, you know, preaching on the streets. One more thing before I get out of here. What about when I say I'm giving my life to Christ, and then these Christians like, nah, ain't that what we want? <laughs> But through all his successes, he's also had a very public struggle with bipolar disorder. He was first diagnosed in 2016 after a serious psychiatric emergency. But since then, 
he credits his radical obedience to Jesus for saving his life. The devil brought me to the lowest place in my life, the lowest year of my life. You are with my mother. got one more question for you. We've yeah. t- we've talked about, you know, gospel music, southern gospel, contemporary Christian music. So, in your opinion, are traditional hymns dead? Oh no. No, they uh, if you go to an Episcopal church, they sing them every Sunday. Um they're not dead and in fact, if you listen to, you know, a number of Christian albums today or even see Christian artists in uh, uh in concert, they'll pull out an old hymn there is a fountain filled with blood, you know, all of those, uh, all of those songs. That, and they, they reach people. It's, it's part, you know, it's, it's one cut on the album or it's one song in concert. Uh, but those songs are, a lot of them are timeless and, and contemporary artists discover them uh, sometimes. Yeah. How great they are. I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> amazing grace. Those songs appeal to, just about everyone. Of course, the big trend now is praise music, which is certainly limited music. They tend to do one line over and over again. But it's again, it's an emotional release. Music's emotional, uh, and certainly Christian music is emotional. And those praise songs are very, are very emotional. Thanks again to Don Cusick for giving us this really intimate peek inside the contemporary Christian music scene and the lives and careers of Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. But now I want to bring back Sharon. Considering how talented she was, and I've seen the videos, she's effervescent on stage. Why then, when she wanted it so bad, why didn't that dream to become a Christian music recording artist come true for her? How come we all don't know her name? How come I'm not? Is because I dated those DJs. Because I had a, a brief inside look into what it all was. Honestly, I think I'm gonna have to credit my intuition. I just had a knowing moment where something just just drops into you and you go, This is not it. This is not for me. Not that music wasn't, but Christian music was not. Sharon to tell me more about this knowing moment. Sure. Um, So I was a junior in high school and it was um, actually the day before our prom. And I had a pretty fancy dress because I was going to the Dove Awards and not the prom because I was very, you know, oh my gosh, so so somebody. (laughs) 
The Dove Awards were and are the Christian music industry's version of the Grammys, basically. Biggest names in the industry, Christian superstars, you know, hosting, presenting and performing a really high profile, very fancy event. And I was just standing there. And it was this moment of knowing, like, um, just like an intuition, like it just, to use, I guess, some sort of phrase that is kind of Pentecostally, it just dropped into my spirit. <laughs> like, I don't know, I just, just knew this is not for me. I just, I just knew as sure as, you know, two plus two is four. And I just was like, this is not what I want to do. This is a business. This is not at all what I want to do. I don't want to do this. And then totally ghosted the guy after that. And then went to prom the next night and was a high regular high school kid after that. Yeah. Now that your religious beliefs have changed, your spiritual beliefs have changed, and so much of your Christian life was involved with music, how has that changed your relationship with music today? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Christ- I do Christian know. music was such a huge part of your life. It was. Music is still a big. Christian music is still a part of your life. It is. Um, my uh, spiritual belief hasn't changed my relationship with the music at all. I still enjoy it as much, and I, I honestly think that I enjoy it more now because my belief system before was based on a you know a god up above that i must please and now i'm more of um finding the beauty in every day being mindful that type of belief system i suppose and so you know when the harmony's just right or particularly when i'm singing with the middle tennessee choral society and we're doing like these great works you know handle mozart verdi and it's just these you know, hundreds of singers and orchestra. There's a magic in that. There's a a perfectness in that, that I'm able to celebrate in a spiritual way that I didn't before because everything was about praising God, was about giving glory to God and not celebrating the people I'm making music with. 